about time and this is a good one we got father's day coming up on sunday so naturally who am i going to talk to a mother of five that's how we roll here at the john of all trades podcast robin jennings palmer is my guest and robin is an old friend from high school she is a dear dear friend of mine she is one of my favorite people and i asked her if she wanted to be on the show for my mother's day episode but i wasn't doing shows back then because that happened shortly after i screwed up my back which, by the way, is doing much better. Uh, I get an MRI here. I'm recording this on a Monday. I'm getting the MRI Tuesday. This episode goes up Wednesday, so hopefully I'll know more then. That doesn't matter right now. This episode is what matters. So I wanted to have her for Mother's Day. Couldn't do it, and I said, we need to punt. We need to reschedule. So Father's Day is coming up, and I'm like, all right, what am I going to do? Well, you know what? Let's have Robin on, and let's make it sort of a parenting extravaganza. And the reason I chose Robin, not just because she's a good friend of mine, not just because she's an interesting person and a beautiful soul, but I chose her because she is the mother to five boys. And anytime I mention her anecdotally, and I can only imagine what it's like for her having to live this personally, but I'll say, yeah, my friend has five boys. And people go, oh, man, that sounds tough. I wonder how they do it. Well, you know what? Instead of asking that question and instead of wondering, let's talk about how she does it, right? I mean, let's get to the guts of it. That's what this whole show is about. That's what we do here. So I talk with Robin about having five boys, what that's like. We talk about uh, her getting pregnant for the first time at 20. We talk about her superpower. Yes, a superpower. She is evidently immune to birth control methods. Four out of five of these kids came while she was on birth control of one form or fashion. So we talk about that. That is a fascinating conversation. We talk about the naming convention that she's got. She's got uh, a way that she names her kids. That, to me, is very interesting, too, because names are incredibly important. It's hard to name stuff, much less name people. I mean, when you are pregnant, that is one of the things that people want to ask you about most. And Robin has fascinating stories about that. That's kind of in the back half of this podcast. And since we are high school friends, we do talk a little bit about high school. And we talk about some of the things that, that happened in high school, how she got this reputation, why I was intimidated by her. And when I say reputation... I mean, Robin is one of the sweetest people that you will ever meet, but she'll intimidate you. I mean, and she's 5'1", by her own admission, but there's a self-assuredness about her that comes across. And if you're not expecting it or you're not used to it, it can be uh, intimidating. It comes across as a way that you go, whoa, oh, geez, I don't know. I'm kind of afraid of her. And so I get to tell her about that. That's really fun. So overall, this episode, I loved putting this together. I loved having the conversation with Robin. Getting to sit down with her and just reconnect was a real joy. And I think you're going to get a lot of value out of this too. Even if you don't know Robin, even if you didn't go to high school with us, I think you're going to be amused by her making a giant football player kiss the floor for making fun of one of her friends. Seriously, I should probably just stop talking. This episode sells itself. How are you going to 
as a five foot one girl in high school get the tall German blonde football player who probably looks like an extra in Die Hard hanging out with Alan Rickman's crew? How are you going to get him to kiss the floor? You have to find out. Got a few plugs coming up, but uh, first I'd like to give a shout to one of my favorite shows out there. It's called The Real Nerds Podcast. Uh, Brad Hag, Ryan Frost, James, whose last name is escaping me, and uh, I'm recording this and I'm running out of battery life, so this is what you get. Nothing but professionalism here on the John of All Trades Podcast. You know what? I'm going to let them tell you about their show in their own words. So take it away, Real Nerds. Every week, Denver's own Real Nerds Podcast sees a new movie, and we podcast our experience to the world. I think sometimes we're funny. Yeah, sometimes. When I'm talking, not when you're talking, not when you're talking. Oh, you know, it might help if you told them that we're on iTunes or on Stitcher, so they could find a place where they can actually listen to us. Oh, okay, Brad. We're also on Twitter, at Real Nerds, and we have an Instagram account. Boom. Commercial, Brad. Cut. Paste. Upload. We like to have fun. Sure. I like fun. James, you're very bad at improv. RealNerdsPodcast.com. Check out the Real Nerds Podcast. Great friends of mine. They put together a great show. This week, I have a great show. Robin Jennings Palmer is my guest. She is the mother of five boys. This is the Father's Day Parenting Extravaganza. You can download it on iTunes. It's not called iTunes anymore. God damn it. You can download it on Apple Podcasts. You can download it on Stitcher. Or you can go to the homepage, jonofalltrades.us. All of my episodes are housed there. I have more than 140 of them. Peruse, go through there. This is my second one with a stay-at-home mom. The first one, Steph Anton, also a great show. This week, we've got Robin Jennings Palmer. So, let's get to it. Episode 136, Robin Jennings Palmer, mother to five boys, good friend of mine, and uh, a joy to reconnect with. Her episode starts right now. I mean, minus the guts, you know. Well, sure. They get it from a um, butcher, but yeah, face and all. Okay. Did you have any of the cheek? I hear that's good. I didn't. No? No. Why not? I, you know, no. <laughs> <laughs> You're not eating a face? I just didn't feel like eating a face, no. Yeah, that's fair. Well, at least not a pig face. I mean, there are days where it's like, I'm going to eat your face. Oh, yeah. Because. Yeah. But I, no, no pig has harmed me or wronged <laughs> me enough that I feel the need to take my revenge yeah. on their face. So did that go pretty late into the night? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and it was with uh, a whole bunch of cops. <laughs> nice. So that was that was fun and entertaining. Because, man, are they different when they are not <laughs> in the uniform. When they're not on. <laughs> yes. They do this every year, and oh, nice. we go every year, but as almost always new people there. So, Well, you're kind of a night owl as it is, right? Oh, yeah. Um, that's got to be hard in terms of, like, Matching up your night owl tendencies with being a parent? Because I know when it gets to be like 9.30, I feel like I turn into a pumpkin, personally. Well, I have to have some alone time in a sure. day. And my husband goes to bed pretty early. Um, he runs his own business, so he needs to be up and out early. What kind of business is he in? Well, he's a private contractor, but right now he installs radon systems. Okay. So, which is a huge market all of a sudden. Well, sure. So, that, you know, it's... Relatively lucrative, so that's good. So our uh, our radon here when we bought this house, which we're sitting in currently, had high levels of radon, and we go neat. All right, yeah. Added bonus to buying a home. Yeah. Did you get a system? I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> well, after this, I can walk around the house and see okay. if I see one. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, I'm yeah. sure you know. <laughs> I do. I don't know. I just 
I don't, I'm not a morning person. I never have been. So I, you know, I get up, I do what I need to do with the kids and that's all day long, especially now in the summer, you know, but the, the two little ones are home with me always. And there's just, there's no time to you know, take for yourself. Right. I mean, even if you try, it's, you know, banging on the door. So <laughs> there's nothing to do about it. So I usually just, I, I take my me time at night after everybody's in bed. So sometimes it goes pretty late. Yeah. Sometimes I'll, I'll see like what you're doing on social media mm-hmm. and I'll look at the timestamps and I'm like, God, how is she up <laughs> this late? It's remarkable. Yeah. Well, but you know, it's, it's one of those things because before we get any further, Robin Jennings Palmer is sitting here in my basement, and we were great buddies in high school. And, I mean, we haven't seen each other much since, occasionally. Mm-hmm. But uh, you are the mother to five boys. Yes, I am. And with Father's Day coming up, and the reason this is for Father's Day and not Mother's Day is because initially we were going to do this for Mother's Day. And I thought you'd be the perfect person to talk to about it Mm -hmm. because, and I told you this before we went on, I think it's important that we highlight this work, which deserves just as much glory or acclaim as anyone else I I host on this show. Any of my other guests, like this work deserves equal billing. And I feel like societally, we don't always give it equal billing. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the work that you do is largely unseen. It's in some ways thankless. I mean, I'm sure. (laughs) The largely unseen might be a good thing, but yes. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right. But it it deserves at least some time in the sun. You know what I mean? Right. And so I know you had a little bit of trepidation about coming on. Mm-hmm. But uh and probably still do, which is why we're drinking. <laughs> <laughs> but uh one of the things that I'm most interested in is when you tell people that you have five boys. Ugh. And immediately you're like, <laughs> what is the what is the most common reaction from folks? Hmm. Well, they mostly treat me like a freak show. Okay. Um, it's always, you know, five kids. Wow. You know, how many girls? How many boys? Oh, they're all boys. Wow, five boys. How do you do that? You know. <laughs> And I've heard a lot of, don't you know where babies come from? And, oh, right. you know, like, all that. But, um, you guys are just very anti con. I'm like, meh, meh, uh, meh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I end up telling my story way more often than I probably should to people just okay. kind of to justify myself, I guess. All right. So perfect. This reminds me of, you know, the guy who played Biff in Back to the Future, mm-hmm. a guy named Tom Wilson. Mm-hmm. He carries around a card with him now. That if someone comes up to him and starts asking him back, back, back to the future, mm-hmm. he goes, look, I'm happy that this movie had an impact on you. And I'm happy that you want to talk to me about it. But you are not going to ask me anything that I have not already answered a zillion times. <laughs> Here's a card with the answers to everything that you want to know. You should make a that card like a that genius idea. <laughs> and just hand it out. Yeah, seriously. Like you, you tell everyone you have five boys and be like, here, just read this and then come back and let's have a real conversation about something. <laughs> For the sake of the universe, mm-hmm. put it out there one more time. Okay. So birth control does not work on me. I had my <laughs> oldest on the birth control pill. Wow. I had my second on the Nuva Ring. I had my third on a different birth control pill. 
I got an IUD after that, got pregnant on that, lost that one. So at that point, my husband and I had already kind of wrapped our heads around having another one. So we thought, all right, four, we'll even it out, be a cute little family of six. <laughs> right. And so we had my fourth one, Micah, and then I had my tubes tied. And then, surprisingly enough, I ended up regrowing my uh, fallopian tube. It reconnected. It reconnected. Holy and Lord. I had Quinn, my baby. So after that, I went for the full hysterectomy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's probably wise. And so, I mean, two things jump out at me immediately. Previously to doing that, if we needed to repopulate the earth yeah. at some point, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm sure you've heard that joke. <laughs> it's like you and Antonio Cromartie, right? <laughs> <laughs> the NFL player who has like nine kids or something like that through mm -hmm. eight different women. Yeah. Um, Travis Henry, too. He's another one. Um, so first of all, that. Secondly, <laughs> I'm reminded of probably one of my favorite all-time Facebook status updates that I've ever read. Okay. And I tell this to people. I hope you don't mind that I tell this to people. You you just start it off. It's perfect. You go into it with no warning, and it says, are you guys aware that one in 5,000 tubal ligations fail? <laughs> I read that, and I go, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, and so then you go into it. You're like, hey, uh, there's another way of saying baby number five, do. <laughs> and when was Quinn do? I mean, or when was he born? Uh, he was born June 1st. He just turned three. Okay. So I think he was due like the 10th or something. Right. Yeah. But, uh, okay. So he just turned three. Uh, and I read that and then I remember I followed it for a long time and people are like, oh, maybe you'll finally get that girl. <laughs> How was that dialogue for you? Was that weird or did you care one way or the other? No, no, I didn't at all. Honestly, I have always said, well, always the past 14 years, as long as I've had kids, have said that I wouldn't mind a baby girl because right. they're all cute and squishy and pink and purple. Mm -hmm. But I do not want a teenage daughter <laughs> under any circumstances. So, you know, the first couple, it was like, oh, maybe it'll be a girl and she'll have big brothers and, you know, that'll help me keep yeah, her that safe. Even evens things out a little yeah. bit. But then honestly... By the time I'd had three boys, I was just like, what would I do with a girl? Like, <laughs> honestly, I, I, I couldn't even fathom. Like, she would – all her hand-me-downs would be, you know, stained and holy and have trucks on them. And, <laughs> you know, it's just – it just became at that point to me kind of uh, irrelevant, I guess. Well, it's a, it's a case in point of you run your own race. Oh, yeah. Right? I mean, mm -hmm. and I think I think people have – this vision in their mind of what's normal <laughs> and you go, what are you talking about? Normal? Like every, there is no normal. Everyone sort of has their own battles that they need to face. Mm -hmm. And I, I'm always amazed by parents who want to be almost like sanctimonious yeah. about any aspect of parenting. Um, do you get a lot of that? Mm, not so much anymore, but only because I fight it off. You know, right. it's, I'm very clear, very open how I parent. Um, I'm not afraid of how I parent. And I do believe I'm doing what's best, you know, for my family, for my kids. So there's really nothing anybody can say to me that's going to 
really change my mind as far as that goes. I yeah, mean, or, or bother you, right? No, I mean, it's just that if that works for you, fantastic, but that doesn't work for me. Well, okay, so can you give me like a for instance? Is, the, is there a time where someone is like, oh, you're going to do it this way? And Well, I sort of free-range parent. Oh, nice, you know? good. So, like old school, right? Exactly. Like I want my boys to grow up the way I did. And everybody always says, oh, the world's so much scarier now, and that's absolutely not true. That's horseshit. Yeah, it's not. It's just that it's more you know, media-centralized now than it was in the 80s and right. 90s, you know? But um, – you know, I, I let my kids walk to school and I let them play outside without me. And generally, I mean, I don't let the little ones outside alone, but I'll let the little ones outside with their big brothers. Yeah. You know, I definitely get a lot of strange looks and, you know, questions. And quite a few of my kids' parents, like the kids will say, can I go play at so-and-so's house? And I'll say, sure, go ahead. And then the parents will drive them home. Mm-hmm. It's just like, oh, well, we just weren't comfortable sending them. You live three blocks away, <laughs> and they're 14 and almost 12. I mean, it's going to be okay. You know, the things I was doing at 14, yeah, they'll be no fine. No kidding. Yeah. I so. mean, when, when I grew up in Applewood, I used to ride my bike to school, and I used to have to – like, the route that I took was really weird, and it was a long way. Mm-hmm. And I used to ride the whole way – like, I used to see how far I could go with no hands. Mm-hmm. You know, just because you're a kid and you need to learn for yourself what your boundaries are without someone telling you what the boundaries are. Well, exactly. And at 14, I was riding the RTD to Villa Italia Mall, you know? <laughs> nice. And, you know, way back in the day, okay, now I'm dating myself. Well, and you. Well, yeah. Because, <laughs> but... I mean, we're both we're both Golden High School, class of 2000. Yeah. I, don't, I don't care bringing that up. Well, the March just... of Time is inevitable. I never really considered worrying about getting old and i don't worry about getting old i worry about the things i haven't done mm. you know that's, yeah, that's probably fair that's that's really the the one regret that i have i think it's not oh i plucked a gray eyebrow hair you know i mean granted that day was oh my god i plucked a gray eyebrow hair but <laughs> you know past that it's just like yeah i'm 35 i'm getting older and these things happen you know but, yeah you could be president now but yeah now that you're 35 <laughs> Maybe I should try for it. But yeah, no, you, I got way too much on my plate as it is. No way. Yeah, no kidding. One of the things that we have talked about, um, and I know, like you wouldn't, you wouldn't change your life for anything, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, and again, you run your own race. But one of the things that I think I've heard you say is, "Why was I in such a hurry to start a family?" Yeah, you know, as I said, they were all, or most of them, were birth control, right? And I first got pregnant at 20 and really considered my options. I really did. I I had a fiancé but was not married and, right. you know. And that's previous to your current husband. Right. right. That's that's my first husband, yeah. So the first two are from your, your previous husband, mm-hmm. correct? Yes. Right. So I, I really considered all of my options and – Ultimately, I mean, I, you know, went back and forth, lots of, lots of pro-con lists because, I mean, I was 20. I was barely out on my own. I had, you know, my own apartment for the first time in my life. Up until that, it was, you know, my parents and then roommates. And, you know, I was finally able to, you know, be myself and be alone sometimes. And then this happened and I just kind of decided, you know, 
if this is what's supposed to happen, this is what's supposed to happen. And, and as soon as I wrapped my brain around that, you know, mm-hmm. and I'm, I am not a religious person at all. I, I guess I'd be agnostic. I don't right. know if you'd have to place it, but I, I believe desperately in the universe. And I do believe that there is some sort of vision out there for each person. Mm-hmm. And, and so I just sort of felt if the universe felt that I was supposed to be this kid's mom, then I better be this kid's mom. Yeah. And that's really how I felt, I guess, about all of them every time. Yeah. I mean, that to me is almost like a Zen approach. You know, it's like, this is what the universe is giving me. Mm-hmm. Why would I not accept that? Right, exactly. Yeah. So you just, once you come to that, you know, mindset, it doesn't necessarily make it easier, especially every time you find out, uh, you know, and you're on birth control and then, you know, you keep getting those two pink lines, <laughs> right. you know, it's, it definitely gets to a point where it's like, oh my God, why? What's, you know, what is so special about me that I have to keep having all of these children, you know? And of course, every parent does that. Oh, well, you know, what if he's the you know the answer to world hunger or what if you know what if she's the first female president or you know whatever and and everybody wants to think those things about their kids and i have no idea what my kids are going to be and it doesn't matter they're they're my kids and i love them and whether you know they're millionaires or live in my basement for their whole life it, it doesn't matter to me yeah but there is a certain sense of especially considering they fought through the odds of the birth control and especially my baby who regrew me <laughs> a tube so that he could be born. I mean, there, is, there has to be a sense of, okay, why are they here? Like they, yeah. they had to fight hard to get here, you know? And that's what you and I had talked about when, I hope you don't mind me bringing this up, but when you were, you guys were having your infertility issues. Oh no, I don't mind. And I kept getting pregnant. Well, you kept trying, you guys kept yeah. trying to get pregnant and the amount of guilt that I felt, I mean, it was just like, I wanted to just have these babies and give them to you, <laughs> you know, but it, it felt so unfair. And, you know, I, I wrote to you about it and yeah, I, you remember. Know, I sobbed through the whole thing as I'm <laughs> typing it out to you that, you know, this isn't fair and I hope this doesn't hurt you, you know, that this keeps happening to me and you guys are having such a hard time, but I don't, you know, I didn't want you to feel like I was considering these pregnancies a burden when you guys were trying so hard for mm, one. Inter- you know? Yeah, that's interesting. So I took a, a lot. I mean, I thought a lot each pregnancy, you know, whether it was, okay, what are these children here for? Or whether it was, you know, and you're not my only friend that was having trouble with infertility right. at the time that I could not stop getting pregnant. <laughs> so You literally could not stop. I could stop. not stop. <laughs> you're like, <laughs> I tried. <laughs> I really, really tried. But... You know, it, it, you also have that sense of of guilt, you know, about why why me and why not John and Kristen? Like that's yeah. not fair, you know. And so I don't know it. With with that, each child, you have a different feeling. You have a different set of emotions as the, the number in, increases. Sure. You have different trepidations, you know. And the the one thing that I can say. And with my first pregnancy, I was neurotic. I, mean, yeah. I was, you know, no soft cheeses and, you know, God forbid I even smell a glass of wine. And, you know, I mean, I did 
everything. Yeah. And I would, if I didn't feel him move for, you know, five, 10 minutes, I'd be poking <laughs> away, making sure, you know. And I mean, I was an absolute nutcase with it. By number two, I was still a little neurotic, but not quite as much, you know. I would, I kind of relaxed a little bit on, you know, my diet and things like that. But honestly, three through five, I didn't have a single worry. I mean, it was just like, yeah, he's in there. He's fine. (laughs) He's doing good. We'll see him soon, you know? Yeah. So that is, that's one thing that I can, you know, that eased my mind through each child was I got more comfortable. I, I put more confidence and faith in my body and my ability to build these beautiful children. Yeah. You know, and, and I, you know, thank the universe every day that I have five healthy, strong, smart, beautiful kids. And, you know, when so many can't get that. And so that, that is kind of amazing to me. And again, there's like sort of sense of guilt when you do hear about misfortunes of those you care about, you know? Yeah. I, you know, it's funny. I hadn't thought about it that way, but I've been having a conversation recently and I'm not going to mention who it is here, but I, I have a friend and you probably know him too, but he's going through some infertility and he's going on a year longer now than Kristen and I did. Oh my gosh. Six failed IUIs. Oh my gosh. And, and that's expensive. It's expensive. It's really expensive. And I hadn't really thought about the guilt aspect and I'm hearing you describe it. I'm like, why would you feel guilty about something that you clearly don't have any control over? Yeah. I mean, I guess, I guess it contextually made more sense to me because I feel a little bit of guilt for my friend. You know, it's Mm -hmm. like, look, this was our story. We went through two years. Mm -hmm. I can help you up to this point. Mm -hmm. You are now in uncharted waters beyond what I can do, like beyond my capabilities. And you're right. I feel kind of guilty because I have two beautiful girls and they're, they're lovely and they're healthy and they're just tremendous and they're funny and they're just, they're a delight. Mm -hmm. They make life worth living in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And it's like, God, you guys are trying so hard and you have it even harder than we do. God, no wonder. Like when I saw that you were pregnant again, I never once had a thought like, Oh man, (laughs) that like the universe is bullshit, man. You know, like (laughs) nothing like that. I'm like, Oh, well that like, that's your life. Yeah. And so, no, I mean, I never thought you should feel responsibility or burden or the fact that you took time out to write to me about it. Mm-hmm. I thought it was just, it was so moving and so gorgeous. But it, it, I'm like, is this misplaced? Like, she shouldn't, this is not your burden to bear. Like, this is not your albatross, you know? Well, in a way, though, it is because you want to protect and take care of those that you care about. You know, and I mean, truth be told, that's sort of how the world should work. You know, you should have that sympathy or empathy for, you know, your fellow man. Yeah. God willing. Sure. Yeah. And and when it's in your own little bubble like this, you know, it just makes it that much more intense. I mean, I can read stories about, you know, I don't want to bring up politics, but Syria and things like that and absolutely breaks my heart. But I don't feel a guilt, a personal guilt. Mm. About that, you know, because who am I going to write to? Who am I going to write to to say, I'm sorry, this is happening to you, but you're in my bubble, you know, and so you you're somebody that I have the option of saying, hey, this is how I feel and I care about you and I'm here for you and I'm listening, you know, and 
that to me is just the way the world should be run. Yeah. I'll tell you, I think the world could use more of that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I don't think you'd disagree. That, I mean, as much as that should be sort of an everyday thing, it is rarer than it probably ought to be. I know. And and therefore, I do my best to do as much as I can. Yeah, I'm, I'm in agreement with you. I try and do the same thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I don't know how much the, the you know, pay it forward philosophy really does work, but <laughs> I'm always willing to try. You know, I'm always willing to be that person that at least gives it a go. You know, yeah. I don't know how, how far it's going to go. Might not go past the person that I did it to, but right. but what if it does? You well, know? and I use that same philosophy when I was looking for a job because I had people who were established in their careers taking time out of their day to, to speak to this totally wet behind the ears college kid mm-hmm. and just be like, you know, I'm like, hey, what do you do? What do you like about your job? Who can, who else can you introduce me to? And I'm like, God, like you're so busy. Like mm-hmm. you, you have this important job that I cannot imagine how low I am on your priority list, yet you took time to meet with me. What can I do to repay you there? Like, don't repay me. Yeah. Just pay it forward. Like, at some point, you will be in my position mm-hmm. because you're you're smart, you're capable, you have clearly a lot of ambition. At some point, someone will want some of your time. Right. G- give it to them and just help them mm-hmm. because we all had help getting there. I want to go back to something. So you got pregnant the first time at 20. Yes, which I remember that because I was like, you know, I was this really obnoxious college kid back then. Oh, <laughs> you were not. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but you're you're very sweet. I put it to you this way: as I as you sort of reflect on who you are and who you were, I don't know that that was necessarily the best version of myself. <laughs> <laughs> and hopefully, you get better, and you know, as you go on. When we met in high school, I feel like we really first connected during the production of Outsiders. Yes. Which uh, was really awesome because previous to that, you used to scare the shit out of me. Which is ridiculous. Um, (laughs) You say it's ridiculous, but a lot of times, culturally, I think women are taught not to be as forward, especially girls, uh, or express self-confidence the way that you did. So if nothing else, it was just atypical. It was an energy that I, I hadn't been exposed to a lot. Mm-hmm. And then we got to talking. We got to be friends. And I'm like, oh, you were like the loveliest person on earth. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, this is, this, is, this is wonderful. And I'm like, I can't. And it was one of those things where I'm like, I cannot believe I'm actually friends with Robin. <laughs> yeah, because I was such a big deal in high school. <laughs> I thought you were cool. as Well, you, you did end up uh, homecoming queen I during did. our uh, senior year. I did. Which I, think, which I think pissed off a lot of the... Oh, God, did it ever. <laughs> it was you and Kenny, which was amazing. Yeah. Um, and I remember thinking, I'm like, God, the world is cool. How about that? <laughs> well, and the year before, <clears throat> Theater Kids won it, too. Yeah. It was Wait, who was that? Travis and... Oh, gosh, I can't remember who he took, but... Yeah, I can't... Yeah, Travis Valentine and... What, Maria or someone? No, or, I don't think so. Or like Sky? Maybe. I can't remember who it was. Travis. But uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm sure Travis was not dating her. No. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, anyway, when I found out you were pregnant, because we were still kind of in the same orbit at that point, mm-hmm. um, I'm like, if anyone can handle this, it's Robin. Like, you were the only one I could picture from our class who seemed to... Be savvy enough about the world, like have enough moxie, be tough enough for that kind of thing. 
And I don't know. Do you have like, and, and I don't know if I told you that at the time, but I don't know if you have a reaction to that. Do you? I'm flattered. I really appreciate that that's how you saw me. Yeah. I don't know that I would always agree with you on that <laughs> because it's not like I didn't have plenty of meltdown freak out moments, you know, during that time. But I mean, I, I, I appreciate that that's the vibe that I give off, yeah. you know, because I've always been, you know, you know this about me. I just, I just am who I am and I, I am not willing to change that. That doesn't mean I'm not willing to listen to other standpoints or even change opinions or views, but, right. but I'm, I'm not willing to change who I am for the sake of the people in the room. And I think that is what has given me strength and self-confidence enough to say, you know what, if you don't like it, I'm sorry, but this is just who I am. This is what I do. So There's a self-assuredness about you, and there always has been. And anyone who seems like they're comfortable in their own skin, you know, mm -hmm. who seems almost immune, not immune, but like unbothered by sort of the pettiness of others or the pettiness of the world. Mm -hmm. A lot of times that translates to charisma, which is why I think I was intimidated by you in high school. I have, you know, I have had people since high school say things like, oh, God, I was so scared of you, you know? Right. It's, why? I mean, I I'm five, one and a half. <laughs> and in high school, I was, what, I don't know, buck 25, right. you know, like I, I, I cannot fathom what it was about me that was so scary. I, maybe it's my resting bitch face. I don't know. <laughs> like, I married a woman who has a great resting bitch face. Yes. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, I know from resting bitch face. <laughs> but uh, no, I think it was just that. I think it was like the self-assuredness. Mm -hmm. And especially in high school, not everyone has that. Well, and got me in trouble a few times. Yeah? <laughs> what do you mean? Well... I don't, I, I'm sure you knew this at the time because I did get in trouble for it, but um, I'm not okay with other people shaming somebody else okay. for any reason. And you remember Sh Michelle Mandia? Uh huh. We had a math class together, and there was a, I won't mention his name, but a certain tall, blonde German football player. Okay. <laughs> Do you know who I'm talking about? Well, he um, was relentless with Michelle. And, I mean, he teased her for everything, for being chubby, for being Hispanic, for having curly hair, okay. for everything. Just typical, like, jock douchebag yeah. kind of. And teacher wasn't doing anything about it. And I looked at him and said, are you going to do something about this? And he did the full-on, well, I don't know what you're talking about. Right. You know? <laughs> so I said, okay, well, if you're not going to do something about it, I am. So I got up and walked over to said football player and I told him he was going to apologize to Michelle or he was going to kiss the floor. <laughs> and he laughed at me because he was as tall sitting down as I was yeah. standing up and he and his buddies all laughed and okay, Robin, what are you going to do? I said, are you going to apologize? And he said, no, I'm not going to apologize. I said, okay then. So I grabbed him by the nape of the neck and twisted him around and got him to the floor with my knee between his shoulders. <laughs> and I said, are you going to apologize? Are you going to kiss the floor? He said, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Michelle. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I said, all right, now kiss the floor. And he did. 
And then I got sent to the principal's office. I don't remember this story at all. Yeah. That is amazing. I did. I really didn't get in much trouble because the assistant principal um, at the time, the one that I went to see, mm-hmm. absolutely loved me. She didn't love anybody. I mean, she was... Was this Dr. A? She, yeah, yeah. She was just mean and didn't like Oh, anybody. yeah. But she, for whatever reason, loved me. So I go in. I tell her the story. She does her best not to laugh, which didn't work very well. <laughs> And then she sent me with a pass back and said, on my way, you know, as I'm walking out the door, she said, Robin, try to make it through the day without beating up any more football players. <laughs> and I said, okay, I'll do my best. No okay. promises. And I walk back into class and the teachers, I told you to go to the principal's office. But, you know, and I held up my pass and said, I did. I'm done. Here you go. <laughs> you going to teach the class it. or what that was the end of it and i told my parents right when i got home just in case there was a phone call yeah. i told my parents both my parents are looking at each other and me and each other and me and start laughing and say i don't even know how to reprimand you for this because or if i should at <laughs> exactly, all exactly because i can't say you weren't doing the right thing so yeah. you know i mean i guess there's a couple stories like that that i had throughout my high school days but so i guess that could put some fear in but well and uh, maybe the lore grew you know yeah. like <laughs> all of a sudden you're mythic like maybe well, yeah. i mean it, you're self-described five one a buck 25 and i mean at the time yeah let's <laughs> let's call a spade a shovel here and a girl right yeah and i mean you're taking down the as again using your words the tall blonde german football playing dude mm-hmm and you made him kiss the floor. Like, that's that's some Paul Bunyan shit. You know what I mean? Like, that's Paul Bunyan. That's John Henry. That's 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 the type of thing that, yeah, I mean, that will make its way around. Yeah. Just after that. I don't remember if it was And the I don't same remember day. that at all. Holy hell. I don't remember if it was what the same grade was day that? or not. Sophomore, junior year. Okay, nice. So one of said football player's friends caught me in the hall one day, and it was not during a passing period. It was, you know. Yeah. Uh, it was during class, so there was hardly anybody in the hall. And he saw me coming and kind of pressed himself up against the wall. And then he, as I'm walking by very quietly, Robin, Robin, I said, yeah. He goes, I just want to let you know I'm not, I'm not like him. I'm, <laughs> I just, I just want to be clear on that. I said, all right, well, yeah, good. That's cool. Yeah, you know, <laughs> good for you. <laughs> like, you're a decent human. Good to know. All right. You're like, don't don't pick on one of your fe- your female classmates. Well, uh, unwarranted and being unmerciless about yeah, it. Yeah, it was just ridiculous. And um, Marlon Fellows was terrified of me because <laughs> he was mean to Kenny. Oh wow! And oh, I, yeah. I wouldn't have in that. No, that's not going to work. So I I so emasculated Kenny with that, but yeah. But Kenny wasn't going to do anything about it. It's just too sweet. So yeah. no, Kenny Kenny was. One of the purest souls oh. I, I think I'd ever met. It still is, as far as I know. Yeah. I mean, I haven't seen Kenny in eons, but... Yeah, I've, I've seen him a time or two over the past couple of years. Okay. And I keep up with what he's doing on social media and yeah. stuff. But he's, you know, really going places, and um, it's pretty neat. But but he's he's a lover, not a fighter, you know? Very much so. And I wasn't going to have my boyfriend slash best friend picked on. It just wasn't going to happen, so... Yeah. So I said things like I'd stare him down and he'd say, what are you looking at? And I'd say not much. And 
then he'd come at me and I'm like, let's go. And that he didn't know what to do about every every time he would come at me and every time I would say, all right. You just stand your ground. And he, yeah. And he would just be like, I, I can't. I have somewhere to be. And like, walk off. Jeez. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, you can, go ahead, hit me. Be the guy that hits the girl. Do yeah. it, you know? Yeah, enjoy the rest of your life as a pariah. Exactly. Okay, so I'm skipping around a bunch here, but I, you know, these conversations have never claimed to be linear in any way. <laughs> One of the things that I get asked a lot, because I'm in I'm in this phase of life, and, you know, your, your peer group tends to find you. Mm-hmm. So we're, you know, we're connected with a lot of people who have kids of a very similar age, mm-hmm. and... A lot of times they have one and they're considering having two. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I I have some friends who have four, you have five. Mm-hmm. And I, sometimes I think to myself, I'm like, oh, it's cute. You're considering having two. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, they'll ask me, is it harder going from zero kids to one or going from one kid to two? I'd say, and I'd say zero to one. That's what I say, too. Mm-hmm. There are people who say one to two and I'm like, you're out of your mind. You're insane. No, I'd say zero to two. And then two to three, because suddenly you don't have enough hands. Ah, yeah, because I was going to ask you, mm. um, what was the hardest transition between kids? That uh, two to three, two to three. Okay. Yeah. And so when, so you had your first two, how old were they when you had the third one? Five and seven. Okay. Wow. Okay. That's quite a gap. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, you're, you're back in the thick of it. Diapers, the whole deal. Yep. I could see where that one would be tough. How – so I have a couple of friends who have four mm-hmm. and they have drastically – and I hope they don't mind me talking about them here. But the first one, they had a girl and two boys and then they had the fourth one. Mm-hmm. And they said that one was the easiest because it's like – Oh, yeah. You're like, I, I'm already doing everything all the time anyway. Yeah. And it's like here, there's just another one here now. The only thing that freaked me out about five was I had to get a minivan. Ah, oh, yeah, there you go. And that broke my heart a little. But it's a really cool minivan, so that says something. What makes it a cool minivan? It just totally is. It's all black and has a DVD player. Did you and... drive it down here? Yes. Okay, I'll have to see it when we're done here. Um, It's filthy, but... I don't yeah, care. Okay, you can look at it. My but house isn't picked cool. up right now, so... <laughs> yeah, but you don't know what five boys in the back of a minivan can do. No, you're right about that. <laughs> I, I have no idea what that's like. But no, it's cool, and I have my Transformers decal on it. And, you know. Nice. So I, I like it, but I was definitely terrified of that. I had mm. previously to that, I had a Durango, and I loved it. It was my monster truck, yeah. and um, it was a V8, so it was loud and mean, and I yeah. loved it. Fearsome. And I'm, you know this, but I'm a ridiculous Doctor Who fanatic. Yeah. And it was the same color blue as the TARDIS so we called it the TARDIS called her yeah. the TARDIS nice you know and I absolutely loved it but even though it had third row seating it was two bench seats so it was like impossible oh, that's no good to do the the three car seats and then you know the big kids and we, I tried putting the big kids in the back and then they're kicking the babies in the head as they're trying to <laughs> climb over so that was kind of when I was just like Ugh, we gotta do a minivan yeah you know, the coolest thing about that that situation with number five, because I, I, I got to tell you, I was a mess. I was an absolute mess. Oh, really? Well, I had said goodbye to, you know, pregnancy, to, you know, all of that. And I, I'm not going to say I was necessarily a, a happy pregnant woman, but I'm really good at it, you know. And 
I spent my whole pregnancy with Micah saying goodbye to pregnancy. You know, every little move he'd make, I would appreciate, you know, and I absolutely love and everybody tells me I'm crazy for this, but I absolutely love the labor and delivery part. Really? I love it. And I look forward to it and I get excited and it's my favorite thing. What about it? Well, particularly when you have a hospital birth, as soon as you're ready to go, they turn up the big lights and then they take off the end of the bed mm-hmm. and that adrenaline just gets me wow and so that's that's like my time that's a huge rush yeah that's my all right here we go we're doing this yeah you know come on baby and and so i absolutely love that but i said goodbye to all of those things i gave away all the clothes i you know we had we had i mean granted the four and five are only 17 months apart so i still Mm. had you know everything pretty much from nine months up sure but um, but I was a mess when I found out, and um, my best friend Julie had to drive me to the doctor. You know, well, the first part of that is I called my doctor, and I had joked with him. I had the same doctor through all of five of them, and he's amazing. Nice. He is the best OBGYN that's ever existed. And when I had my tubes tied, I told him, okay, if something goes wrong, you're keeping the next one. And he <laughs> says, okay, all right, deal. So then I call. I call the office, and and the receptionist, Michelle, answers the phone, and says, Michelle, it's Robin. Hey, Robin, how are you? I said, well, I just took a positive pregnancy test. And she said, you what now? (laughs) I said, yeah, if you could have Dr. Breeden call me back, that would be great. She said, I will get that right to him. I kid you not, it was 45 seconds later, (laughs) he calls me. And he, his, his words... As I answered the phone, I said, hello. And he said, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> and I said, oh, God, I wish I were. And so he said, all right, well, come down. Let's let's see. Let's so, take a look here. Yeah. yeah so, so Julie takes me down. And sure enough, everything's perfect. You know, a little seven-week-old fetus swimming around in there. like See the heartbeat the yeah, whole night. Everything. Yeah. So I call my husband. After we leave, uh, on the drive home, I call my husband and I said, well, got a perfectly viable, healthy, seven-week-old fetus. <laughs> and I'm hysterical as I'm telling him this. And he took a deep breath and said, okay, somebody's going to have to share a room. <laughs> and that was all he had to say about it. So, you know, his his calmness to it. And That's his, a good dude. Yeah, and his just, you know, accepting it for what it was is really what made me go, okay, we can do this, you know? Yeah. So then, and it's been that way ever since. Just, it is what it is. Did, did you threaten the doctor? Like, hey, oh, re- yeah. remember our deal? Asshole? Oh, I told him. I said, so this one's yours then, you know? <laughs> he was like, Robin, I can't, I can't take no. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. That didn't work out so well, but, but I do tease him. I went to see him recently just for regular checkup stuff. Sure. And he walks through the door and looks at me and kind of has a, strange look on his face and he said do you have news for me i said yeah i'm pregnant again thanks and i'm pretty sure this time it's in my liver (laughs) and he says well you would have a liver baby wouldn't you i said i probably would you're like i could (laughs) watch me (laughs) so but yeah he's a great guy and everything went well but that's awesome it was that so i guess you know your question on what transition was hardest 
uh, zero to one was pretty hard. That's a wholesale two, lifestyle change. Two to three is difficult because now you have more kids than hands. Yeah, you're outnumbered. But four to five was hard for me because I had already said goodbye to it. Yeah, if that makes sense. Um, I was I was honestly afraid I wasn't going to be able to love him as much because I so resented, you know, for a little while I I so resented the fact that this was happening all over again. But obviously that went away, you know, pretty yeah. quickly. Once you've said goodbye to that chapter of your life, it's hard to reopen. It's hard to go back and revisit it, you know. Yeah. So, but that so those are those are my three hardest transitions. Yeah. I'd that, say. Okay, that makes sense. The other thing I like that that you've done, and this is just kind of a cool, quirky thing, but you have a naming convention, like <laughs> with your kids, right? Yeah. So, okay, uh, talk me through what that is. Well, they all have to have four letters. Yeah. And they can't have the same first initial. Okay. Why is that? Like, what? how did this come about? Well, kind of accidentally. For the first two, it was an accident. Yeah. I just loved the name Liam, and then I loved the name Ewan. Both are four letters. And then... And both very Irish. Uh, yeah. Well, Celtic. Yeah. Ewan, Ewan's more Scottish, but yes. Okay. Um, and, but... Cle- clearly, I know etymology. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, come on now. Yeah. Um, but when the third one came along, we kind of decided that we had, you know, already set a precedence with the four letters mm-hmm. with uh, the other two. But the main reason that I didn't want any of them to have the same initial is because things like Christmas and Easter and packing lunches, it's so much easier mm-hmm. to just to put an L and an E and a J and an M and a Q, you know? Yeah. And so that way there was never any confusion, you know? And there's lots of families that do exactly the opposite of that, where they name all their kids with the same initial. Yeah, and, no, that's true. And I don't know how they keep anything straight, honestly. I mean, Christmas time, what, what we do is... Um, we do piles, you know, around the tree, and then we'll put, you know, usually I'll do something with, you know, glitter or something cute, but I'll just put the first initial on a piece of paper and lean it up against their pile. That way they always know, mm, yeah. you know, whose is whose. And, you know, lots of stuff works that way. That's a great mom trick. You know, and when I when I text, you know, and I'm talking about them, it's a heck of a lot easier to type, you know, L has you know, robotics after school today didn't have to type out Liam, you know, and yeah. Ewan's doing this and it's just easier. I mean, that's, that's how I communicate, especially with my mom. It's just like, she'll offer to take them and I'll say, okay, who do you want? And she'll say L E and J. Okay. <laughs> you know, so yeah. I don't know. It's just, so we, well, there's almost like a James Bond thing about it or like men in black too. <laughs> you know what I mean? Cause that's, I mean, that's fun. That's not nothing. No. Um, and, you know, anytime you can go by sort of one initial, that's fun. Well, yeah. And we um, we did have to kind of alter uh, Micah and Quinn. Sure. Because Micah is spelled M-Y-C-A. We were going to do M-I-C-A, but that's actually um, Mika, and it's a Japanese female name. Ah, Hmm. So that's why we went with the Y. So it's phonetical. You know, it's M-Y-C-A, Mica. And oh, then, yeah, that makes sense. And then with Quinn, we just dropped one of the N's. So it's just Q-U-I-N. I think that's fine. And, you know, I appreciate the convention and I appreciate you guys not doing like – because people name their kids just 
<laughs> abhorrent things these days. Um, those are like those are still like in the realm mm-hmm. of. I mean, like he's going to be telling people his whole life, like it's not two ends, it's one. Mm-hmm. That's fine. Uh, I'm a John who is constantly telling people there's no H in my name. Mm-hmm. We all have it. Yeah. Like who cares? Yeah. As long as you're not, you know, f- like really far sort of outside the norm of, of standard spelling, mm-hmm. you'll be just fine. Well, and I mean, I've, I've always known your J-O-N because your full name is Jonathan. So yeah. very rarely does a Jonathan shorten it to J-O-H-N because right. J-O-H-N is a name on its own. Yeah. You know, so, but yeah, and, and, and for that, you know, maybe I... And Might rarely does that bit. come up on this show. That's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, Jude, honestly, Jude has, Jude and Quinn have the most um, remarkable story behind their names, honestly. Mm. Um, you know, Liam and Ewan, I like the names. Micah, I like the name. And my mother-in-law came up with the spelling and, you know, uh, we were good with that. But with Jude... Uh, first of all, we already knew what his first name was going to be because um, my husband was a very good friend of mine before we started dating. Nice. And when once we did, he was 23 and had no desire to settle down, no desire to have a family, none of that. Then I think he fell a lot harder than he expected to, not just for me, but for my boys. Mm. And so he kind of had a bit of a freak out moment and we split up for a little while because of it. Then... He was listening to one of my mix CDs that was I had left in his car, and it had Hey Jude on it. And I'm a huge Beatles fan too, so, yeah. as you know. But so he listened to it and realized he was Jude. You know, he oh, was interesting. He needed to realize what was important and what was going to make it better. And so, you know, that was one of the things he said when he did come back. Was you know, I realized I'm Jude, and I. I just need to realize that this is good and, you know, I, I want this to be. So we knew, you know, that that's what Jude's name was going to be because of, of mine and my husband's, you know, uh, situation and mm-hmm. our relationship. Um, my dad passed away uh, three months to the day before Jude was born. Wow. And his name was Arthur Lewis Jennings III. And he had always told me, all of us, all my my siblings, don't you dare name your children after me. He (laughs) hated both of his names. So for that, um, I, you know, kind of thought about it. And did I want to give my kid middle name Arthur? I don't know. My dad wouldn't like it, you know, and kind of went back and forth. But also, everybody in my husband's family names at least one of their children after my husband's grandfather, who's Mm. also passed away, and his name was John. Mm. Well, I, with an H, I didn't want to do that. I mean, there are so many, or were so many Johns and Jonathans in the family. Mm -hmm. Um, And in fact, my husband has two uncles, twins, they're both named John. What? They go by their middle names, yeah. but yeah. How, how can how can you have two kids? I don't know. That's not my call to make. But. I tease, you know, his grandmother all the time about it, but you know, so it was a big deal. Everybody, this was Tim's first, and everybody wanted to make sure that you know there was going to be a little piece of the grandfather. And so what we decided was he was actually um, a world-renowned archer. He even created his own bow, um, which wow. which was used in the Olympics, and you know, so it was it was a real passion for him. Archery was, so we decided that along with my best friend Julie's um, brother had passed away, 
uh, January of 2010. Mm. And then my dad passed away in April of 2010. Uh, Julie's brother's name was Albert. And uh, we decided on Archer because it was a passion of Tim's grandfather and a cool name. Yeah. And a really cool cartoon show. Anyway. Um, that show is amazing. I know, it really is. Um, but then also the A, you know, is also symbolic of both my dad, Arthur, and Albert, who was nice. like my big brother. And then he has two middle names, so he's Archer Jennings, um, kind of to carry on the Jennings legacy because I'm it. I'm the end. You know, my dad only yeah. had daughters, so there's no more. So he's, you know, Jude Archer Jennings Palmer. Nice. And then with Quinn, similar story. My my brother-in-law actually passed away right at the end of my pregnancy with Quinn. His name was Jonathan John. Yeah. And um, is that why you went to Zach Brown Band? Yes. 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 I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. They were his favorite. So, but along with that, he, his nickname was five. Everybody called him five and it's a long, stupid story that I'm not going to tell. But anyway, his nickname was five and um, we had already talked about the possibility of Quinn. So we were all pretty much settled on Quinn, which means five. Oh Yeah. And, um, yeah, it's like the root of five. Exactly. Yeah. And, um, my husband's middle name is Adam. So we were, he was going to be Quinn Adam. Well, when John passed away and then I was actually in labor at the funeral, but I, oh my, I don't know how, but I was not going to have my baby associated with this terrible name. He's 35. It was a freak accident, you know? Yeah. Um, so, but I was not going to have my baby, you know, entwined in, in all that grief. So I held him in uh, for a little over a week. And what? I just refused. I just said, I told my body this is not going to happen. And that's the way it worked. So when he was born, you know, we definitely went with Quinn because it, it meant five. And, and we were back and forth, back and forth at the hospital while we were doing the um, birth certificate, you mm-hmm. know, and it was, okay, is it, are we going to keep Quinn Adam? Are we going to do, you know, Quinn John? You know, what, what are we going to do? And at the very last minute, Tim says, well, how, how about um, Quinn John Adam? And I said, eh, that's a beer. How about <laughs> Quinn Adam John? And he said, okay, yeah. And so... So he's Quinn Adam John. He's also got the two middle names. Nice. And in honor of a lost family member. Wow. So, yeah. Hell of a story. Yeah. Wish it didn't have to be that way, but. Well, no, but I mean, I, you, you take what life gives you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, I mean, life is a jujitsu match. Oh, yeah. You know, you, you take the energy you have and you redirect it as appropriate. Mm-hmm. And the fact that you can take it and pay tribute to these people that you've lost along the way. Mm-hmm is a, not only a terrific legacy for them, but for you and for your kids, too. Mm-hmm. Because they have a namesake that they will always hold on to. And so. I think so. Well, we need to talk about Father's Day. Okay. Because that's what's going to happen here. Yeah, no, and, and we've, I mean, we're close to wrapping up here. Mm, well, I just want to say that I believe that fathers are incredibly important. And, you know... None of this nonsense of dads saying they're babysitting. No. Oh, no. Oh, no, God. That's a pet peeve that. of mine. Yeah, exactly. It's like, I, I've had people say that. They're like, oh, you babysitting today? I'm like, no, I'm their father. Yeah. No, I have my kids. Yeah. yeah. Like, no, we just happen to be out. But I want to um, 
if it's okay with you, I want to give a shout out to my husband. Oh, by all means. Because he has been such an incredible part of my life. He walked into it when I was, you know, a 25 year old single mother of two little boys, which scared him desperately. Oh, sure. And he fell so deeply in love with them, you know, and he has worked me through some seriously hard times and, you know, chose to co-parent when I let him, Hmm. you know, when it first started out, he was their buddy. And then there came a time where it was just like, you're their dad, you know? And so he jumped right in, you know, as soon as I gave him that green light, he jumped right in. And, you know, everybody's always scared when you have a child of your own, you know, when, when you then have an addition that something is going to go wrong, um, you know, and, and the love for the stepkids is different or whatever. Right. But I can, I can tell you every day I see he treats all five of them exactly the same. He gives them the same amount of love and support and he's just been absolutely amazing. And my, my kids, uh, Liam and you and the older two chose on their own about three years ago to start calling him dad. Wow. And they've never gone back. It's a big deal. So it's a very big deal. And it was very touching to him. But I just want to say that I loved him. (laughs) And I'm very proud of him. And I am amazed every day by the work that he does for his family and how, you know, special and loving that he is. Wow. What a if gr- I can throw that in there. Uh, yeah, <laughs> um, by all means. And one of the things that gives me particular joy is when I see you guys go up to Estes Park and do that murder by death thing. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, I'm, a, I'm guessing here, I'm speculating, but I, I don't think this is too much of a reach to say that you don't get a ton of time just by yourselves. <laughs> no, we do not. <laughs> so anytime I see you guys up there, I'm like, that's good. I'm glad that they're up there. And that's our that's our favorite thing, so... Yeah. That's the one thing we get to do that we both have passion for and we get to be alone. <laughs> yeah. Since Sloan has been born, Kristen and I have not had a ton of alone time. I would imagine. Um, but she's coming up on a year. So it's mm-hmm. like when you get to about a year, I find that the fog lifts quite a bit. Yeah, I think so. Um, I mean, it lifts at three months. It lifts at six months. But at a year, like you're really sort of getting there. Mm-hmm. Um, but that first year, man, that year is intense. <laughs> oh yeah it is and yeah having gone through it five times (laughs) you know i mean that's that's intense although you you know you're done now unless you're growing that liver baby yeah we'll see (laughs) you never know right (laughs) it's true not with me well shit robin uh this has been a delight uh you are and always have been one of my favorite people one of the very first things i wrote uh when i had the x-axis blog was for a long time i was hesitant to get on facebook Mm mm-hmm and I was just hanging out on my computer one day, and that song, I Try by Macy Gray, came on. Mm-hmm. And that song was popular <laughs> when we were doing children's theater. I know where you go with this. Oh, yeah. And uh, you uh, you had the funniest way of singing it. And, like, we used to, like, the, the lyrics used to change with us, too. Remember? <laughs> it's like, I blow bubbles when you're not here. I blow bubbles when you are not here. I wear goggles when you are not here. That's what it sounds like. I know. For the longest time, I thought it was, uh, I wear goggles when you are not here. I'm like, what the hell is she talking about? 
And I think you even explained to me that it was it's actually my world crumbles when you are not here. <laughs> but it's way funnier. It's way better. Goggles and bubbles are way funnier. <laughs> yeah. I, I wear goggles when you are not here. So that song transported me to the back of Kenny Subaru. <laughs> like as we're driving to children's theater. Yeah. You know, it's like you, Kenny, me, Jenna, and Amy. Mm-hmm. Uh, like that was our little crew, mm-hmm. right? And so as a result of that song, like I, I had recently gotten on Facebook. I went and looked you up and I go... It's nice that this exists, that I can do that. <laughs> I know. I think that all the time, honestly. Um, and any time, and like people get sour on Facebook a lot. And it's mm-hmm. easy to get sour on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Like, um, There's a lot of shit out there and it sucks. But ultimately, I think it's a force for good. I do too. And any time you post something, that really is a gift for other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, that's, that can be interpreted as a very narcissistic way of doing it. But... If no one ever posted, there'd be no feed. Right. You know, there'd be no feed at all. Well, and it's nice to kind of get to know again some people that you may have fallen out of contact with, you know, for good or for bad. But, you know, it's when you see the things they're posting and the things that they're saying, you know, it's kind of like a a glimpse into the way they think. And that's nice. You know, it's nice to be able to go back to that. I mean, there. There are people who have been in your life at some point that, you know, I I find time tends to flatten things out, too. Mm-hmm. Even people I wasn't the friendliest with or, like, songs I didn't like at the time, mm-hmm. the fact that it was in my life, it, it tends to trend towards the good for me. Yeah. Nostalgia tends to trend towards the good. Mm-hmm. And so the fact that I had that memory and that I could immediately just go and check out your page, <laughs> I'm like... I feel good. Like, yeah. this is a nice day. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is a good feeling. And getting to sit down and do this is just a huge privilege. And I'm so happy that you were willing to do this with me. Well, absolutely. So. Absolutely. Anytime. <laughs> awesome. We can talk about whatever you want. That sounds good. <laughs> Except um, sports. I don't know sports. I know you. I, I know you don't give a shit. <laughs> um, but uh, now's the time in the show when we do plugs. You can plug something if you want. A lot of times people will plug stuff if, if you have nothing. I, Makes no never mind to me. I have no plugs. All right. I don't want no plugs. <laughs> no, I don't want no plugs. <laughs> yeah, I had to go there. Yeah, I, and I love that song. <laughs> I really do. I love that song so my, much. My favorite rendition is Kenny Storm singing that song. Kenny's, when did Kenny sing No Scrubs? It was in the car with me and Amy, and it was it, that was when it was big, so it was on the radio. Oh, that's epic. And he just... Got right into it. Oh, yeah, we died. We we both Amy and I said we would never let him live it down, and as far as I know, we haven't. That's good. <laughs> That's important. All right. Well, uh, happy belated Mother's Day to you, Robin. Thank you, and, and uh, happy upcoming Father's Day to you. Thank you so much. And uh, you know what? Let's uh, let's not go so long between visits next time. Absolutely. Awesome. Thanks, Robin. No problem. That does it for episode 136 of the John of All Trades podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you to Robin for coming on my show and sharing what was very personal. This was a deeply human episode, and it's just beautiful, and I cannot say enough nice things about you agreeing to come on my show. So thank you. Uh, Kudos to your beautiful family. Uh, I adore you all, and uh, hopefully we reconnect soon. The John of All Trades podcast is brought to you by 4Degrees, the number 4, D-E-G-R-E dot E-S. 
your one-stop shop for anything you need to do on the web, whether you're building a website, building a campaign, or trying to reach consumers with your good or service, 4Degrees is going to put together a great package for you at a cost that's very attractive. Number four, D-E-G-R-E dot E-S. The John of All Trades podcast is a production of Deft Communications. Deft is on the web, D-E-F-T-C-O-M dot U-S. We're also on the social media. Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, Pinterest, all have the same handle, J-O-H-Pod. Episode previews are exclusive to Facebook, so if you want to get the drop on what's coming up this week on the John of All Trades podcast, go to Facebook. Those go up on Monday. Wednesday's new episodes go live. They're available on iTunes and Stitcher. Hit that subscribe button. I'll come directly to you. You don't have to do any extra work. Back here with another episode next week. That's right. We are rolling and we are doing great. You're going to love this episode. So uh, until next week, say goodnight, Tracy. That's good, Johnny.